Worship was good. Worship was great. Worship's always good. Lord kind of prompted this into my heart as, as we were worshiping. Worship is a game changer in our lives, amen? Um, you get to do something that the devil, that our enemy was created to do. And I believe it angers him more than anything that we get to partake in his gift that was taken from him. Worship is powerful. This has nothing to do with, my, with what I want. The Lord just, worship can set us free. There are times where it's only worship that can set us free. That's, it's only worship that's going to allow you to get your healing. It's only through your worship that your loved ones are going to get saved. Amen? Because it wasn't a sermon... It wasn't an offering that brought down the walls of Jericho. It was a shout of praise, amen. See, Paul wasn't preaching and Paul wasn't given a Bible study when his chains were unbound when he was in a prison. It said that he was worshiping, amen, in the darkest hour. He was worshiping his God, amen. Amen. And I just want to charge you guys, every time we have an opportunity to worship God, that the enemy will do anything to distract you and pull you away from what ultimately we were created to do, amen? Because if you think worship is just something that we do when we go to church, when you get to heaven, you're going to be very bored because when we get to heaven, that is all we are going to be doing. That is our one and number one goal is to worship God, amen? So I'm not even going to charge you. You know what? I might even charge you extra for that because that was good. Can we do another offering and just, that was good stuff. Amen. But today we aren't going to talk about worship. I want to bring a, a, a story from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament um, and, and kind of give some life to it. That, and the title of my message, if I did have a title, is It's Arranged. Let me tell you, there are some things in your life right now that are arranged. And they're not arranged by your doings. They're arranged by God's doings. Amen. And I want to open up in Jonah. And we're actually, if we have time and the Lord tarries, we're actually going to go through the whole book of Jonah. The book of Jonah is only four chapters. It's a really short book. And the book of Jonah ends very sadly, as as we're going to find out. So in Jonah chapter 4, and I want to jump to verse 5. And it said, Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city, and made a shelter to sit and waited to see what would happen in the city. Some of us today are waiting to see what's going to happen. That you're sitting on the sidelines and you're just waiting. And it goes on to say, And the Lord arranged a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread It's broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the comfort of the sun, and it eased its discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. And then a worm came and ate the plant. And Jonah got so mad at this worm. He was angry, and I looked up this word. He was furious to the point his temp, like the the where the Bible says this anger. It wasn't just like when you're mad at your kids, like hey. Knock it off. Not that kind of angry. Not a shout, just a... Uh, he was angry. Like, like it says his temperature changed. This, by, this word anger. Like, it says to heat up. Like, he was red-faced and just... 
you know, how many times we get mad over stupid stuff in our life? We get mad over the most dumb, insignificant things in our lives. Amen. And we get mad and so angry over temporary things. The things that weren't even supposed to be there in the first place. And we get so mad and we get, we come, you know, we just get so mad and our tempers flare and we heat up. Amen. And it wasn't even supposed to be there in the first place. But I want you to know today, it's all arranged. And it's all for a purpose. And we're going to find out why it's arranged and how it's arranged. So with that said, I just want to pray real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for the story of Jonah today, Father God. For what you did in his life and how we can apply it to our lives today, Father God. I just ask that you just open our hearts today, Father God, Lord, that we can learn that we can go into a deeper place with you. That, Father God, Lord, the things that are in our lives, Father God, they're not coincidence. They're not for any other reason, but that you arranged for them to happen, God. And I just ask that you just be in this place in your name. And everyone said, amen. amen. See, the story of Jonah, as, as it goes on, it's sad because it just ends with him looking at the city. And then it's just like, yeah. Next chapter, next book. And it's like, but what happened? You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a sad story because you just think he's just this angry man sitting under a tree getting a really, really bad sunburn because his leaf is gone. And, you know, the, the story of Jonah is God called Jonah. Jonah was a prophet to go to this place called Nineveh. And if you would, um, sorry, I'm very dry. If you would compare Nineveh today, they were a ruthless terrorist people, very mean, vicious. And, um, you know, just the last place, you, you know, it's the part of town you don't want to go to at 11 o'clock at night. That's, that's Nineveh. Amen. And, and Jonah was fearful of this. The fear just came upon him because he didn't want to go to Nineveh and do this thing. So how many know fear can just wreck God's plans in our lives? Amen. As, as, as a father, I am finding out I have a new fear in my life. Um, I have a 13-year-old, and I fear my 13-year-old. She is terrifying because she is so truthful with her words. Never cross a 13-year-old child because they say mean things to you. Because they say truthful things. She'll go, you have feminine hips. And I'm like, I'm sensitive about that. You know, they're just very mean and just... And they just cut to the point, and it's just, nah, go to your room. You scare me. You, I'm afraid of you because you just say mean, hurtful things that are just, they pierce me, amen. And Jonah was called to go to this horrible place. So if we jump to Jonah 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave the message to Jonah, and um, it says, Get up and go to the city of Nineveh. Get up and go. I love that. Get up and go. That should be our heart's cry. As we go into 2017, as we end 2016, that should be our mantra. Every time we get up is get up and go. What an awesome statement that is. Get up and go. That should be our heart's cry. Every time we get up. Every time we go into our workplace, every time we come into this, get up and go. Get up and move. Do something in your life today. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. And as we go on, it says, but Jonah got up and went what? He went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How many of that, just that, that, that last sentence there, to get away from the Lord? How many of us have been in that situation? Just to get away. Nope. And we just scurry and we run and hide. And if you look in the back of your Bible, those maps that we've all studied, we've all fumbled and got to the end of the maps and we do the little finger trail. And we go, oh yeah, you know, when we're not really paying attention. Um, but if you look in the map, Tarshish, where he ran to, was 2,500 miles away, where Nineveh was only 500. And what I'm trying to get to is that you will always have a farther trip when you're running away from the Lord. That it's always longer when you run from God, amen? See, when you run from God, it takes more effort. When we sin, some of us are very creative sinners, it takes more effort to sin sometimes than it does just to be truthful with the Lord. It, you, you know what I mean? Some of us have multiple accounts. Some of us have two phones. I'm just being real. Some of us are more creative in the way that we sin and the way that we get away from God than when you find out it was an easier trip just to follow him, amen? And then further on it goes... And it says, at the end of chapter 3, it says, He bought a ticket boarding that he would hope to accept the Lord. He bought a ticket. It's going to cost you something when you run from the Lord. Amen? It says, when you run from God, or when you run to God, the price has already been paid. But when you run from God, you pay the price. So we see this man, this prophet of God that is called, and God is calling him to go to this place, and he's fearful and he's running because he's not listening to God. And I want to bring up three points why we don't listen. Wives can probably have more than three points, but I have three points just on a spiritual level. Um, some husbands may have more than a books of why women don't listen. Um, but I'm going to give you just three you know, reasons why we don't listen. And the first one is we don't value our own life and our calling. Psalms 839, it says, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moons and the stars, which you set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you take care of them. That you have made them, what? A little lower than angels. That you crown them with glory and honor. That you've made them to rule over the works of your hands. That you put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds. All the animals of wild. The birds in the sky. The fish in the sea. That will swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Just you showing up. Just you being alive. You are worth something to God. And that your life and the calling that you may have or you may not have discovered is worth something. That it says in that Psalms, we have dominion in our lives. 
We have dominion in our lives, amen. That God says he called us to walk and to, to, to take care of all these things that God has placed in our lives, amen. But there are some of us in here that think we have little to no value. That my life, my calling, and what God speaks to my life means nothing. And I'm telling you, you have value in your life today. No no matter what your past says, no matter what your future may hold, you have value today. And then when the Lord speaks to you, move upon it because he wants to take you to a better place, bigger, better things. God says, I have good things for you. Not things to make you fearful or to tear you down, but to build you up. The second reason people don't listen, people don't take responsibility for their success. It is up to you to be a successful Christian, amen? I can come to Brother White and call him every day. Brother White, pray for me. Let me get over this. And he and I can come into agreement every day. But if I don't take the steps and do the things that I'm supposed to, he can pray till he's blue in the face. And it ain't going to get me nowhere. It's just going to give me a nice little pep talk in the morning. And we can come to this altar and we can cry and we can tarry before the Lord and we can weep and fall out in the spirit and speak in tongues and give tithes and donate this and and volunteer for that. But if we don't take the other steps and take responsibility for our success. See, our success isn't based on how great the sermon was that Sunday morning or how wonderful the worship was or that they have this um, club that I can join during the week. No, your success, those are great things. I don't want you to think that I'm tearing those things down. Those are great things to help us. But our success as Christians are not based on other people's gifts. Matthew 5, 6. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand that gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The light isn't for you. It's for others to see your good deeds. James 2.14, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? What faith can save them? We are responsible for our own success. Jonah is responsible for his success. But he chose to run from that. He chose to run from his success. Amen? Amen? So as we go back to Jonah, we see first one, we go into four through six. And it says, but the Lord hurled a powerful uh, wind over the sea. Okay, so wait. Uh, So let me do a background real quick. So Jonah is running from God and he jumps on the ship. He pays the ticket. He's on the ship. He's sailing out. He's running away from God. So he is not taking responsibility for his success. That's where we're at. Okay, sorry, I got 
I got notes everywhere here. So it says, but the Lord hold a powerful storm over the sea, crashing violently and to threaten to break the ship apart. Fearing their lives, the sailors, that's everybody else that is on the boat, shouted to their gods, help me, help me. And they threw cargo overboard to lighten up the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep at the bottom of the boat. You can be in perfect content and peace and still be in disobedience. Your life can just be huh, beautiful, but still being complete disobedience going the complete wrong way in God. He's sound asleep. The ship's breaking apart. These people are freaking out. They're throwing luggage overboard. And he's sawing logs. And, and, and they wake him up. And they say, you know, what's going on? And then Jonah recognizes in himself, it's me that's causing this situation. Not, not you guys. And see, we are so quick in, in our Christian society to blame the enemy for our storms. At so many, that some of us, we speak more about the devil than we do the Lord. Sister Liz, you are a powerful woman of God, but the devil has never messed with you. The devil himself has never, ever messed with you. Devil's got bigger fish to fry than mess with me. See, it's easy just to blame everything on the enemy. Oh, these storms are my life. Oh, just the enemy's coming against me and all this stuff. Maybe it's God getting our attention and something in our life, amen? Because it wasn't the enemy that sent the storm. It said the Lord sent the storm. And so many times we don't want to recognize that the storms in our life are self-reflective, that it's God knocking on our door going, you're going the wrong way. You're not supposed to be going that way. And if you don't want to listen, I'm going to tear some stuff up in your life. Because God says, I'm a jealous God. That nothing will get in between me and you. As a little tip in too, I feel so bad for these other guys. That they were victims in the circumstance. That they almost lost their lives. And on a flip side, some of us may have a Jonah in our boat. That there are some people probably in our lives that are causing storms and wrecking everything. Because we have allowed them to get on our ship, amen. And just like those people did, maybe we need a, some people out of our lives, amen. Because you're wondering, well, Lord, I'm doing all the Check who's in your life. Check who you got on your ship today, amen. So Jonah gets hurled off this ship. He's just like, I'm just going to take the plunge and just to save everyone. And probably in his mind, he's like, this is it. I'm done. I'm free. I can escape the Lord. I'm going to die. And it's over. It's finished. And so he jumps out. And we go to verse 17, as he's swimming in this sea, just getting ready to drown. 
It looks like it's the absolute end. Am I speaking to somebody today? That the waves, you are at your last breath. The water is right here. You're taking your last. And verse 17, it says, and the Lord had arranged. Now, if you highlight your Bible, you take notes. That word arranged becomes a common occurrence through the rest of this book. That the Lord arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah. See, this wasn't arranged by Jonah. Jonah didn't, Jonah was an Aquaman. He didn't boop, 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 and, and bring the fish to help him. No, it said the Lord. And can you imagine what Jonah was thinking at this moment? He's in the water. I'm getting, and then this fish just boom, eats him. Just like a Pinocchio. Remember Pinocchio? Monstro comes up and eats. But he don't have a lantern and a cat and a cricket to keep him occupied, you know. He's in this whale all by himself. So Jonah jumps out of the water and the Lord is, the Lord speaks to the whale, you know. He's just like, you know, and the whale's like, and then the whale swims up, boom, eats Jonah. So Jonah's in, and you know, why couldn't, why couldn't he send something else? Why couldn't the Lord send a big giant seahorse and pick up Jonah and woo, all the way up to the shore and just make it awesome, you know what I mean? But he chose to choose a whale that swallowed him. See, God will always meet your needs, but he will not always meet your standards. Whale's not my first choice of uh, transportation, and I don't think it was Jonah's either. But see, in the belly of this whale... Where it's dark, he's confused. See, a lot of us today, we can relate with the emotions of Jonah. Because some of us are in a dark place where we are confused. We don't know what's left, what's right. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what's going on in my life. My life is complete shambles, and I don't know what's going on. For three days, which is baffling to me, three days. It would took me three seconds to do what Jonah did after three days, but some of us have to sit in the darkness a little longer than others. But after three days, he cries out to this. Jonah prayed to the Lord from inside the fish. I don't care where you are in your life. I don't care what situation that you're in. You can always pray to the Lord. If he can pray in a fish, I can pray in a shower, I can pray in a bathroom, I can pray in my car, I can pray at my work, I can pray in my home, I can pray in the grocery store. I don't care where you're at. You can reach out to God in your moment of need, amen. And he cried out, Lord, in my trouble, he answered me. And you called me from the land of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. And you threw me into the sea depths, and I sank down to the bottom of the sea, and the mighty waters engulfed me and buried me beneath the wind and the stormy waves. Yet I said, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. I love how he blamed God that you've driven me from his presence. Amen. He's the one. The Lord didn't drive him away from his presence. Amen. 
Jonah's kind of feeling sorry for himself in this situation, amen? Just like some of us. We can, oh, Lord, why is all this happening to me? Boo, boo, wee, 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 boo. <laughs> to not realize the, 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 the previous days of events of him running and, and, and fleeing the Lord. And it says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains and I was imprisoned in the earth forever and blah, blah, blah. And he keeps going on and on and on until he gets to key verse 8. That he cut through all the whining and all the complaining. And he says, to those who worship false gods, turn their backs on their mercy. Oh, I'm sorry, verse 9. And it says... But I will offer sacrifices to you, Lord, with songs of what? With songs of praise. And I will fulfill my vows, for the Lord is my salvation alone. See, through after all the, the, the verses of whining and complaining, he came to a place of gratitude and greatness with his praise and worship. Amen. Greatness becomes the key to our freedom. Amen. It was a shout of praise through the darkness. Of that whale. And as Jonah began to realize who he was in, the God, in, in, in God. Not focusing on the circumstances and everything that he went through. He says, I will sacrifice my life. I give everything unto you. You are the God. In that moment of grateful praise, the fish immediately spit him out onto the shore. That it's our gratefulness, it's our praise, just as I opened up with. It's our worship. Despite the situation, despite that the standards aren't the standards that I want in my life right now. That things don't look the way that I wanted them to right now. Despite that the bills aren't paid and the kids don't listen and my job is awful. And I can't seem to get my head wrapped around life. And I'm stressed and I lay myself down and I cry every night before I get to sleep. Despite all of that, I will shout a grateful praise unto you, God. Because I... I know this situation is temporary. That you have what? You have appointed. You have appointed all of these things to happen in my life. So chapter 3, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Praise God for second times. Praise God for second times. And for me, third times and fourth times and fifth times and all the other times that are going to happen. Praise God for the second times. Amen. And what does he say again? He says, get up, get up and go. And go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver a message that I've given you. So now Jonah obeys and he goes to the city. And surprisingly enough, who would think he brought salvation to the city? Amen. Because he listened to the Lord. But that didn't satisfy Jonah. And we go through and, he, and the king from the city comes down and he's like, yes, we will serve the Lord. And the, there's like a great revival. And in chapter 4, it said, this change of plans 
Everyone shout change of plans. Change of plans. Let me tell you something. There's going to be some change of plans in your life. When you think you've got it all set in stone, where you've got it all uh, mapped out, there's going to be some change of plans. And it says this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. And so he, what did he do? He complained to the Lord about it. He says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That that's the way, that's the reason I ran, because I knew that you were going to do this. And Jonah's pretty much saying, this is a big giant waste of my time. And he gets angry with the Lord again. This, the man that just got thrown in the ocean, and he lived in the whale for three days, and then he came out. He is mad because of this great revival that is happening in his life. Amen. And so many times we nullify the works of the Lord in our lives because of our own attitudes. In Philippians chapter 2, 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain content. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of others. See, Jonah was looking at his own, this was a waste of my time if you were going to do this anyways. Listen, God will be glorified whether if we come into this place and do it or not. That doesn't give us the excuse just to ah, let's mail it in. We don't need to worship because somebody else is going to do it. It's that attitude and that mindset. Mark eight thirty five. it says, Whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses life for me, speaking of Jesus, and for my gospel will save it. It's not about us today. And so many times we get angry when others are blessed because we look at the shambles in our lives when the whole time we have the wrong attitude and the wrong mindset. See, and, and, and here's the thing. And this is the kicker of the whole story, and this is what makes it so sad, is that Jonah could escape the fish, but he can never escape himself. And we struggle week after week, and situation after situation, and prayer line after prayer line, and altar call after altar call, trying to get rid of the situation, but never really dealing with the source. So through this anger, it says that he went out and he made a shelter outside the city. And see, some of us can sympathize with that because we make shelters and we make our stand just far enough not to be involved, but close enough to see what's going on. And then it said again, the Lord had arranged. There's that word again. He arranged a plant to ease his discomfort even in his in his stubbornness and even in his unwillingness and his stubborn attitude and his anger god still blessed him and he made this plant grow above him and it said that he was so excited about this plant he was like yes this is like the only thing that's going on for me and i love this plant and it's my favorite plant in the whole wide world 
and I'm going to name him Bobby, and just, he's just a beautiful plant, and he, and he shields my head because it's so, and, and you got to remember, it's so hot. It's not hot like we have it. It's a scorching hot. It's a desert hot, and this plant just boop, pops out, and he's like, yes, yes to the plant. Yes, I love the plant. I love the blessings. I get so excited about blessings. And so many of us can be so excited about the blessings, but are we excited about the plant? Or are we excited about the creator who provided the plant? So when he gets excited about not how God saved him, but the blessings that came, he sent a worm. Here comes big worm. I knew you guys weren't saved. I knew some of you weren't saved. You guys, never mind. All right, we won't go there. But here comes the worm. And it ate the plant. And it shielded, and, and, and it took away his protection. And, and what do you think happened? Did he come to some conclusion? Oh, God, I, I see how all this works out now. And I love you. No, he continued just to be bitter and angry, just like we talked about. That anger that just, it, it boiled his blood. And how many of us, need God. And this is, this is a difficult prayer. This isn't, this isn't just a, a casual Sunday morning service Christian who occasionally does this and occasionally does that. This is for somebody who really, really wants to move and to do something in the Lord and to go to that next level in God. That some of us need to pray for the worms to come in our life. Because there are some things in our lives that are sheltering us and, and holding us back. That we need some discomfort in our lives, amen? And then it said, it arranged a scorching wind upon him. And I'm going to have the worship team come back up. Because I'm going to conclude here. So if we look at all the things that God arranged, God arranged the whale to eat him, and then God arranged for the plant to shield him, and then he arranged for the worm to come and eat the plant, and then it said he arranged for the scorching wind, a scorching wind to blow upon him. Because God was arranging to direct Jonah to the place where he was supposed to be. See, Jonah wasn't called to set on the outside of the city. Jonah was called to be inside of the city. And everything that God arranged in his life was pushing him towards his calling. And I want you to know that the things that are going on in your lives right now are pushing you towards something. That they are arranged by the Lord. And I want to conclude with my third point because I said I had three points. And this kind of brings it all in perspective. And the third point, why we don't listen, is we have no time perspective. See, Jonah wasn't written in real time. As Jonah wrote this book, or, who, or, or, or as Jonah spoke to the author that wrote this book, it was a reflective story.
See, the whale and the worm and the wind were working together. And Jonah couldn't grasp it in that moment. All that Jonah saw was bad thing after 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 bad thing. But as he got out and he started to write this, he said it was all what? It was all appointed. And so many times we give up and we cash in our chips, and we give up our callings, and we give up our blessings because we have no perspective of time. That this is all for a reason. Romans 8.28, and we know it, but we should ingrain this into our hearts that we know that all things work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. All things that whales work in God's purpose, that the, the worm in our life works for God's purpose, that that scorching wind that is beating down upon you right now is working for God's purpose. But so many of our lives will end with no perspective, and it'll end like Jonah, angry, frustrated Christians. And I'm just putting it out right now. Maybe there are some things in your lives right now that you, you completely do not understand. And the Lord knows that you don't understand because you don't right now have the proper perspective to see. But I want you to know and I want you to be reassured right now that it's all for a purpose, that it's all arranged in your life right now. That the things that we struggle through and the things that we go through are for a purpose. That they're not in vain. That God wants to do something so supernatural in our lives. That he will send a fish to come eat us. That he will tear things down in our lives that shelter us because he loves you so much. And he's saying to you, and he's echoing in your hearts, you don't see the big picture. And he doesn't show us the big picture on purpose. Because if we saw what our lives would fulfill and lay out, each and every one of us would surely wreck it. And it's for our own good that God does this. So with that said, I just want to open not just a prayer line, but I want to open up all these altars because just like I said, me and the prayer team, we can pray and we can agree with you and we can do all the things that goes on in an altar service. But if you don't take responsibility to make the changes in your life, this is all lip service right here. So as we play something softly, we're going to lower the lights and get into an atmosphere of worship. Because see, it was the worship that freed Jonah out of the whale. It was that attitude of greatness. Despite the circumstances that are going on in my life, I will, I will refuse to be overtaken by them. And if that is you today, if you are struggling, you are in that place of confusion and you don't know what's... I just ask that you just come to these altars... And you just start to give an attitude and, and a praise of gratefulness to God.
and be amazed on where the Lord puts you after that. Amen.